0: Look, I don't know it all. I'm a hot mess. I say that all the time. But there are a lot of us that feel that way. And if I can speak from that place, I think it's more valuable than trying to speak from a place of, for lack of a better word, expertise.
1: Right now, we might feel like the story of the boss woman who marks her own ground and waits for no man to save her might be a little overplayed. If you recently saw the newest Cinderella movie starring Camila Cabello, you might know what I'm referring to. But here's the thing. It took quite a while for society to view this as the norm, as having the luxury to say that it is overplayed. And the reason I chose this specific example is because the story of Cinderella is one of those fairy tale classics that defined most of our childhood as little girls wishing to have a prince come tell us, out of nowhere, that we are special. But now, thankfully, we know we don't have to wait for anyone because we get to be our own savior. This doesn't mean that we have to throw romance, love, and wishing for an amazing partner out the window, but we also need to take it a step further. What happens after the boss woman finds herself and her ideal partner? That part takes work. And we don't usually see the after of the happily ever after. On this episode, I speak to Yvette Boding about all of the other parts of the movie that we don't get to see. Yvette is the founder and author behind Awakened Woman, a digital platform designed to inspire and invigorate females. Her writing seeks to empower and encourage women searching for personal definitions of success to build strong communities through powerful storytelling In just two years, Awakened Woman has amassed tens of thousands of followers thanks to a combined more than 500 articles centered around celebrity profiles, relationships, love, abuse, motherhood, and Latino culture, infused with a signature blend of Yvette's pragmatism and compassion. Yvette is also a motivational speaker channeling her own growth experiences to empower others. And I'm sure you'll love that about her once you get to listen to her. Her debut book and part memoir, A Journey to Becoming the Best Self, is inspired by Yvette's own post-divorce path from devastation to joy. Hola, yo soy Andrea Marquez and this is Nequis, a show brought to you by La Red Hispana and the Hispanic Communications Network for the new generation of Ladnex. This season, we want to focus on empowering you to follow your passion and be smart about chasing your dreams while speaking to Latinx from all over, de diferentes colores y sabores. Thank you for all of your support. Our community keeps growing, so make sure to join Latinx on Instagram and TikTok at Latinx. You can also find out more on our website at wearelatinx.com. You, you took on this path because you went through a divorce and essentially what you said to yourself is, I know there are others out there that are going through the same thing. I don't want them to feel alone. I empathize. So here's what I have to offer to the world.
0: I think one of the best ways for us as human beings to connect with others is to share our stories. And I was hoping that by sharing my story, it can help. Even if it helps one woman, then my work is It's worth it. And did you start writing before or after this happened? That's an interesting question. So I've always kept journals since the age of 14. And I can remember because I burned all those journals of my teenage years. Um, But I've always written journals on and off. Um, But I didn't really set out to write a book. I didn't set out to create this platform. It really did come from a place of um, empathy. I really wanted to help. How do you
1: think that empathy has influenced your writing versus writing without empathy? What's the difference?
0: I couldn't write without empathy. Um, I'm sure you've read some of my stories or my articles and the whole idea behind my writing is to connect with someone else's emotion that is that oh, i get chills it's it's so it's my style it's how i help heal it's how i help inspire i have for me that connection is is critical
1: i i would like to hear a little bit more about how you approach this when you're writing in the sense of do you does it come from okay me vet? this is what I feel like right now and I feel like others might might resonate with this or do you start with if I were to go back in my life I'd like to hear and I'm going to try to reach that other woman that imaginary woman that I don't actually know and write for her
0: I think one of the biggest things that I try to do is sort of think back to the things that I've gone through and speak from that voice to the woman today, I sort of try to humble myself and speak from a point that, look, I don't know it all. I'm a hot mess. I say that all the time, but there are a lot of us that feel that way. And if I can speak from that place, I think it's more valuable than trying to speak from a place of, for lack of a better word, expertise. And I'll give you an example. I remember when I was going through my divorce and my depression, I went through to the self-help section at Barnes and Noble. And I looked through all the books to see if there was anything that can help me. And I could honestly tell you there were, I mean, there were hundreds, thousands of books, but I didn't feel that any of them really connected with where I was at that time, who I was at that time. I'm a Latina, I'm, um, you know, my my parents are Dominican immigrants. They did the best they could with what they had, but, you know, I, I can't say that I came from an affluent background, absolutely not. My dad worked in a textile um, company on, you know, in the fashion district. I don't even know if they have those anymore, but, um, and my mom, left school to take care of us at home. I mean I didn't find any books that I could connect that could connect with that part of me. Um, and I sort of want to connect with women from that place because you know for example, my mom my mom and my dad were married for over 20 years before they got divorced. And I remember my mom being I don't like to use the word but I've been that at some point a martyr. I've been a martyr. And I think a lot of us Latinas can relate to that. And I wanted to speak from that place. I remember my mom, you know, serving my dad's dinner on a tray, take, taking it to his bed, um, you know, getting his slippers out, things like that. That's something that's very, it's in our culture. It's It's sort of, you know, taking care of the people that we love, taking care of our husbands, of our children, I want to speak from that place because I just think it's it's different and those unique things I want to I want to open up a dialogue about it.
1: Thinking about how I was raised very Mexican household and. I have been taught since I was young and with all the respect to my parents, but divorce is failure. Like I. That is the synonym for me, right? Since I was young, I remember. And it was, you can have all of the problems in the world in your marriage, but you have to work through them. And you might be miserable, but that is how you die. Miserable <laughs> with a person. Like, it doesn't matter as long as you avoid divorce. And and I remember thinking, but that just doesn't make sense. Like, we life is, and I was, I remember I was super young when I got this and I don't know why, I don't know if it was maybe the books I was reading or or the movies I was watching, but I remember thinking, why is divorce so taboo? It's like, I understand that there are a lot of things in play when that happens, but you're contradicting yourselves parents because you're also always telling me to look out for the, my best interest or for or to take care of myself or to not be with people that are toxic to me and being a Latina is a pretty hard thing. And I, I can only imagine what it must have been like to go through that, having to face your parents as well, having to decide that alone, like you yourself first come to terms with the fact that you want a divorce.
0: Right. It's, it's one of the hardest things I had to do because I wish I can tell you something really awful happens and it just tore us apart. It wasn't like that. And, and, you know, our daughter just went off to college and we drove her up as a family to college and we still have a lot of love for each other and we're friends, but we grew apart. And sometimes even when you love someone, it doesn't always work. And I didn't learn that growing up. I learned that it didn't matter what happened. You know, you were gonna stick together. And I always heard this, we're doing it for the kids. You can't i i just i you know i think to each their own but i think ultimately the children can suffer more seeing you unhappy than seeing you separate and happy because my ex-husband is very happy and i i love his ex-wife i think she's awesome and i i um it's really interesting because i haven't shared this in public yet but we took this drive up to my daughter's school to drop her off. And on our way back, obviously she stayed. I came back with um, my ex-husband and his wife and they looked so happy. And I do believe that I he played a role in my life and vice versa. And now he was with this person that I do believe he was supposed to be with. So I just think sometimes things don't work. And and everyone, it does enter your life for a reason. Um, But I just don't think it's healthy to stay in a relationship or any situation that makes you unhappy. And it can take you years to figure that out. (laughs) But um, I think that's freedom, just owning that truth, coming to that moment of, okay, this is what it is. And you know, I have to accept it and move on. I think it's, I think it's freedom.
1: So Tell me a little bit about the journey to Awakened Woman. Like the moment you were like, okay, I went through this thing. There was a lot of low lows. And now there, I have to get out of this and I'm going to help others. Like, how did you make this jump? And where did Awakened Woman come to be?
0: Girl, a lot of therapy. <laughs> <laughs> I, You know, I always say this. I would not be here today. were it not for my therapist. She, um, so when I, I'll give you like a, a visual because I'm all about visualization. The day I went to see my therapist, I literally was seeing the world in very dark grays. Very, it was very dark. It was gray. It was black. It was white. There were no colors. About, I can't even remember how long, but I'd say about three years after when I came out on the other side of that depression, that turmoil, all that craziness. I remember texting her from my train ride back home. And I said to her, and it was beautiful out. I said to her for the first time in three years, I can see in color. It's literally, she changed my life. And I felt reborn. I felt um, free from, from myself because I think a lot of us are so hard on ourselves. And I felt like, oh, my God, I'm, you know, I'm going through with this this divorce. I'm a failure. I am the worst person. I am ruining this family. I, you know, you, you find a million things to beat yourself up about. But going back to that moment and remembering what it felt like, I can tell you today that I still feel that I did the right thing. And... I feel that experience helped me become awakened and start this brand new chapter. And he's still in my life. He's just in my life in a different way. And what type of content
1: should someone expect to read or learn about from Awakened Woman?
0: Ooh, (laughs) there I... I have to tell you, I have a little bit of everything. Um, I talk about, you know, losing your identity. I talk about love and, and love is amazing. It's, you know, it's, it's exhilarating, but it's also very painful. It's very confusing. There's so many different stages of love, even when you're in a relationship, you know, that is good. It, it isn't always good. I don't believe that. There are like peaks and valleys to every relationship. Um, I talk about um, domestic abuse. I talk about sexual assault. I talk about, um, wow, everything to do with being a woman today. And I try not to censor anything because I think the only way to open up real dialogue is to be honest and open. There's so many taboos around you know what we should and should not speak about we just talk about it what's the worst that can happen so this is really interesting like and i and i do say this my you know my divorce it, it wasn't a product of something really bad that happened we literally grew apart and when you hear that you know you think wow but you know she she was with a good guy he really loved her and you know things weren't perfect but they were good but if you're not happy, shouldn't you be able to walk away and not be judged? And it, it, it really is it's sad that we're still worried about what people are thinking.
1: I'm not sure. And, and this is like a, a question that I hadn't thought of. But so bear with me as I try to develop what <laughs> the question is. And I have to check this, but I remember I read it somewhere that we're at the lowest rates, like millennials and Gen Zers just don't want to get married anymore. There's this debate of, I'm not going to get married because I don't want to get divorced. Like, what's the point? Or I'm not going to get married until I find the perfect person. Or there's like an extreme of, I'm just going to get married. I don't like it, I'll get divorced. So I checked. And according to the Pew Research Center, millennials are less likely to live with a family of their own than previous generations were at the same stage of life. Which is why we find all of those memes of our parents telling us that at our age, they already had two children, a house, mortgage, etc. When it comes to marriage, a majority of millennials are not currently married marking a significant change from past generations. Only 44% of millennials were married in 2019, compared with 53% of Gen Xers, 61% of Boomers, and 81% of Silence at a comparable age. So what does marriage look like for millennials who have tied the knot? We're getting married later in life than previous generations. The median age at first marriage has edged up gradually in recent decades. In 2019, the average man first got married at age 30, and the average woman was 28 when she first got married. This is three years later for both men and women than in 2003, four years later than in 1987, and seven years later than in 1968. But this doesn't mean that millennials aren't investing in their partners. As millennials delay marriage, a significant share are living with a romantic partner. In 2019, 12% of millennials were living with an unmarried partner, higher than the share of Gen Xers, who were at 8%, who were cohabitating in 2003. Cohabitating is more common among millennials and Gen Xers across most racial and ethnic categories, as well as educational attainment. And then, what does this mean for divorce? Well, in a study conducted by University of Maryland professor Philip Cohen, We took a look at the census data and found that the U.S. divorce rate declined by 18% overall from 2008 to 2016. Millennials are taking more time to find the right partner, living together before legally committing and signing prenups to protect their assets. As a result, we're bringing the divorce rate down. We've redefined the modern fairy tale in many ways. We want to focus on ourselves first so much right now that it almost comes into second. If you're not adding anything into my life, thank you for participating. Goodbye, sort of. (laughs) What do you think
0: about that? I am at the point of my life where I can honestly say if you're not adding to my life, then I debate. I'm not sure I want to bring you all the way in. So I do agree with that. I remember when I was growing up, I loved, you know, I love Disney. So, you know, I always thought about getting married and having the big church wedding and, you know, just having that story. I guess it's a fairy tale. Um, Disney
1: fairy tale, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh oh yeah, I mean, which princess weird. were you? <laughs> I mean, think about how much money the you know the industry makes. This is what it's built on. Um, I think marriage is a very, it's a choice. Being in a relationship is a choice. Like, I don't think marriage is for everyone. You have to really think about that commitment because it's a legal, it's, it's a binding, you know, legal binding commitment. So it's not just, oh, let's get married and have a great party. And no, there are legal, you know, implications like, let's say you marry someone and, you know, that person turns out to be in debt. If anything happens, you are also responsible for that. If he has awful credit and you want to buy a house, you know, you fall into that realm of, you know, your liability. So it's not so much, it's not, I think we've moved out of that romantic stage. It's, it's a real life decision where it's going to affect you. So I, I don't blame, you know, the younger generation for sort of second guessing that commitment. I think it's something that, you know, I tell my daughter, I'm like, you know, if you want to get married, that's great, but no, you need to know what you're getting into. It's, it's a contract. I know that sounds awful, right? Because I'm removing the romanticism out of it, but it is a contract. We don't think marriage and then the first thing you think about is, is
1: this legal binding contract. Now, how do we pay our taxes? Like, that's not where you first go in. I think you think marriage what, and first you think about like,
0: what does credit for? And it's I know exactly. that sounds awful. <laughs> I know it does. But I mean, hello, if you, if you, I mean, come on. It's, it's just reality, isn't it? It's really not funny when you wake up one day and your bank account is frozen because, you know. <laughs> you married someone who had, you know, some significant debt. So it does happen. I think you have to be smart. It's not just about, Oh, I'm in love. Let's get married. No. And I would tell my daughter the same thing. It's, it's great to be in love, but before you give your heart, you have to sort of think things through. And I, you know, and I'm the first one to say, I've gone all in just you know,
1: Hmm.
0: head first, Yeah, but, you know, now that I look back, I'm like, well, maybe I should have thought about some things a little more.
1: And I think it's an important conversation to have, especially in the Latino world where, like,
0: parents are used to being a little pushy on that, (laughs) a little pushier, I would say, maybe. And I think, you know, I think it's worth to mention, and and everyone has a different upbringing, but I think, for a lot of latinos like for my parents for example there was always a discomfort to talk about money to talk about whether and when i say money i mean savings account i mean credit i mean bills there's a, a little bit of discomfort talking about you know what who brings home what like i think as a younger generation these are conversation conversations that need to be had.
1: You wrote a journey to becoming the best self. What is it about and what inspired you to write it?
0: So it's a uh, part memoir, part self-help, and it's basically going from my First marriage, which is a really short chapter. I call it my starter kit. Um, and then, <laughs> That's really cute. <laughs> <laughs> and then falling head over heels with the love of my life, ending that chapter in divorce, depression, and coming out on the other side of that pain as an awakened woman and starting the platform. It is raw, it is honest. But it's also, it gives you some nuggets of wisdom along the way. Some parts are really happy because, not happy, sorry. They're quirky. They're like funny because I have this weird sense of humor sometimes. Um, so I try to make light of some things, but they're also some really unfortunate trap, you know, parts of it, like the depression. And I'm really honest about that piece.
1: Can you give us a little teaser of something, some quirky or interesting or like, ooh, little story that we might read if we read the book?
0: I talk about dating after marriage and sex after marriage. (laughs) No one wants to talk about dating after divorce or after like long relationships. It's awful. And you know what's crazy that I read the other day that there are women getting divorced later in life. I think they call it sil- is it silver? Oh my god, what is it called? Silver divorce. I can't remember, but there are actually women getting divorced later in life after the kids have left, you know, everyone's out of the house and couples are like, "Okay, I'm not happy." And they get divorced. You imagine After like thirty years of marriage, just starting over, but people I think it's called silver or gray divorce. I was Googling Grey divorce. It's gray divorce.
1: Okay. It's crazy, isn't it? But I feel like the more we talk about it, like what you're doing, the more we have people like you, the more it's just it turns into a Brene Brown of conversations. Like how we respect vulnerability now, how we respect setting boundaries, how we respect asking more questions. The more we do that, the more I feel like when I am gray haired, it won't be (laughs) like looked like this twice. It wouldn't be, it would just be a part of life. you know, like another story and it won't be this huge, like, oh my God, what are you going to do now? You divorcee of 60.
0: Exactly. And let me tell you something. 60 looks very different today. The other day, what was I look? I can't remember what I was looking at, but one of those slideshows, women that are over 60, um, I think Angela Bassett is in there. Like all these women that are, I, I just, they're amazing. Like they look amazing. So I don't know. Great divorce looks very different now. It's not like, it's not literally gray marriage is going to look different expectations
1: are going to look different the freedom because you and you said that the freedom to be who you want to be with who you want to be regardless of legal contracts or having children all of these things that we used to find an excuse right to not go like move from the line we had drawn for ourselves
0: well it's like everyone's I mean at least for women because men kind of do whatever they want but we've been living like a carbon copy whatever we learned that's what we've we've been living but I think finally a lot of women are paving the way for us to break the mold and I think we have to continue that and I think for sure we're doing more and more of that and it's important that we keep you know we keep sort of promoting that open dialogue and talking about those things that, you know, maybe 10, 20, 30 years ago were taboo. Just recently, I was on a a talk show and I talked about, you know, my sexual abuse when I was, I think I was six or seven. Um, That was one of the hardest things that I've ever had to do. But I felt that talking about these difficult topics is the only way to remove the stigma to remove the taboo from it so i want i I don't know i I want to be able to have these conversations because growing up you know they were a no-no they were things that you're not supposed to talk about you don't speak about you know sex you don't speak about sorry your vagina you don't speak about abuse no we need to talk about these things the only way to make a change is to open up the dialogue and be honest and let me tell you something that is one of the hardest things to do like owning your truth it's really hard but it's worth it because it's you know it's another part of freedom
1: once you do that it's like no one can stop you I've said it before I don't think I've I've gotten there yet but I've seen it a lot of times from other women that I admire to the point where I'm like, I know what it looks like. I know what it looks like. There's just a journey to get there.
0: You know, one of the the things um, that I've done on the platform is, so I started writing my stories and sharing, you know, stories I've heard, stories that things that happened to me during the pandemic. I, you know, I wasn't living life, quote unquote, we were all on lockdown. So I got this idea to start this empowerment series, talking about inspiration. And I started reaching out to women, celebrities, CEOs, women that we would seen on TV, on film. And I said, what would happen if I would reach out to some of these women and just ask them to share with AW a piece of their personal journey? And when I do these interviews, it's not, oh, I want to talk about your career. I want to talk about, you know, all the amazing things you've done. It's more about, I want to talk about you as a woman. Give me a piece of yourself. Something about your journey that can help another woman or connect with another woman. And it has been one of the most amazing amazing projects that I've um. I've created. We've had so many inspiring women, and that started with with an idea.
1: On her website, Awakened Women, which I encourage you to visit, Yvette has many powerful stories, insights, and pieces of advice that speak to all types of women from different backgrounds and in different parts of their lives. One of her articles titled, three things you can do to stop dimming your light, she gives three pieces of advice I thought I'd share with you today. Yvette writes, taking power back when you're living an ugly truth is complicated, as well as painful, but not impossible. There are a few things you can do to regain inner strength. Be honest with yourself. It's one of the hardest things you can ever do, but a necessary evil on the way to creating your best self. Let go of those that do not embrace all of you. The people who truly love you will want to see you shine, so don't be afraid of your greatness and expand your wings. Becoming the woman you're meant to be takes constant work, practice, and being kind to yourself. Change happens over time, not in days. Mistakes will occur, but the toughest part is taking the first step on this journey. For more of her work, visit awakened-woman.com or read her book, A Journey to Becoming the Best Self, available on Amazon. What is one piece of advice that you would give women who are going through a major change in their lives and they feel like they have to start over again?
0: There are two things that we need to do to just begin that journey to, I, you know, I call it for me, it's journey to becoming the best self. Um, One, you have to know your worth. I spent many, many years not knowing my worth and I made really bad decisions in relationships, in, you know, in my career, just personally and professionally, because I didn't know what I was worth. If you don't know your worth, who you are at your core, it's you're never gonna jumpstart your life. I, I believe that because and I'm still learning my worth, but just starting that, it, it's it it just it brings everything together. So I would say know your worth. And the second thing that was pivotal for me was don't be afraid, and it is really scary, don't be afraid to ask yourself the hard questions and don't be afraid to open your eyes to the answers because a lot of times we ask ourselves these really hard questions and we're not prepared for the answers. Um, And I think the reason why we don't ask ourselves the tough questions is because we don't wanna know. We don't wanna know the bad stuff. My sister at one point said, You know, you have to stop walking around with blinders on. You can't live with your head in the sand. And I was doing that because I didn't want to hear the truth. I didn't want to ask myself the questions that were going to hurt or were going to bring pain. But once I started that process and I was open to those answers, I think that's when I really started. Figuring out my path. I think it's just so important to be open to the truth. You have to. So know your worth
1: and not being afraid to ask the hard questions and being open to the answers.
0: It's something that I still remind myself of every day. And I, you know, I I still journal. And these are things that they just keep coming up because it's not just learning something and putting it into play and then forgetting about it you have to keep practicing it because we're creatures of habit Mm -hmm. so we can easily go back to that old behavior that old way of doing things so you have to keep practicing
1: great pieces of advice no matter what age you are because it's good to have that reminder constantly i write posts i've said this like 50 times at this point but like on the podcast, but I have post-its where like, whenever I learn something like what you said, I put it next to my desk. Oh my gosh, so wait,
0: really quick. So (laughs) in my book, I wrote about this and and I only have one picture in my book. And when I was, you know, at the tail end of my depression, I have, and I still have it, I have a wall of quotes and I put it, I write them on my post-its. I stick them, I do it on my bathroom mirror, like all around. And it's, it is my like shrine. And I look at these post-its and there was one day when, you know, they sort of get, they're in the bathroom. So you have to kind of change them because they get, you know, they get like moist and stuff um, from the humidity of the showers. But I know this is like TMI. Um, One day I went into the bathroom and my daughter looks at me. She says, why did you take all the post-its off? I was like, what? She goes, all the quotes are gone. I said, I didn't know you were paying attention. She said, of course I was. I read them when I'm brushing my teeth. And I was like, oh my gosh. So anyway, long story short, I made a new wall and I still have it. And that is like a permanent shrine. It is just a reminder of things that are important to me. Affirmations, mantras, it sounds so small But it makes a difference in your everyday. As you brush your teeth, you just say things like, I don't know, I am beautiful, I am worthy, I am whatever. (laughs) I'm going to ask you lightning round
1: questions. All right.
0: Favorite book? Jensen Serrill's Wanna Be a Badass. I can't remember the, (laughs) the exact title, but something like that.
1: Favorite singer?
0: Ooh, uh Mark Anthony.
1: Okay. So the first thing you do in the morning.
0: Look outside my window, try to find some um sunlight. There's not always sunlight, so I find my tree. I have a tree in front of my window, and I like to look at it in the morning. Hmm, nice. Any hidden talents? I like to sing.
1: Okay. <laughs> Quality you look for in business
0: partners? Hands down, honesty. Okay. Quality you look for in friends? Gotta tell you, it's the same thing, honesty.
1: Valid. One thing you wish you knew at the beginning of your career? I wish I knew my worth. And lastly, one thing I didn't ask that you wish I would have asked?
0: My empowerment series. Tell me a little bit more about your empowerment series. It's, a, it's an interview series about women on their own personal journeys, women that we may look at as they have fame, they have success, they have money, they have every everything, quote, unquote, but at the end of the day, I can always find something in these women that connects them, not only to me, but to readers. It solidifies my belief that no matter where we come from, we all have some common grounds as women. And we share a lot more experiences than we believe we do. And I just wish we were more sort of in sync with that connectivity that we have we could be so much more supportive with each other and i'm hoping that i'm weaving like this thread like this blanket that um i don't know that at some point women will feel like they can let their guard down a little and maybe empower the next woman to do something amazing
1: hey guys thanks for listening to this episode with yvette A small note on the book she was referring to at the end, it's called You Are a Badass by Jen Sincero. I encourage you to visit awakened-woman.com and read her book, A Journey to Becoming the Best Self, available now on Amazon. You can also follow Yvette at Women Awakened on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. As always, you'll find all of this information in the description of this episode. Remember to support us on Latinx by rating this podcast on Apple Podcasts. As you know, this will help us continue to work on this show and bring on guests who inspire and motivate you. This is Latinx. I'm your host, Andrea Márquez. Thank you for listening.